Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, your favorite comic book podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I'm here with my co-host, Dustin. Hello, everyone. And this episode, we are looking at Dark Knight Strikes Again, also known as Dark Knight 2, Dark Knight Returns 2, the sequel to Dark Knight Returns, which is a very sort of controversial and I, I think a very mixed reception from fans i think that would be fair to say dark knight returns was a very well-regarded batman comic book in the 80s by frank miller that is still considered kind of a landmark of the superhero genre and he followed that up about 15 16 years later with a, a sequel that was pretty much widely panned when it came out for a variety of reasons And since then, there have been other sequels in the Dark Knight Returns now series, I guess you might say. Um, But, and I think critical opinion has maybe come around a little bit on Dark Knight Strikes Again, uh, K2. So, Matt, you wanted to talk about Dark Knight Strikes Again. So, what is your, I know that we had both read this comic before. So reading it now again, what, uh, well, why did you want to talk about this and what was your reaction to it now? Yeah, so this is a, it, it's kind of an oddball because Dark Knight Returns is, of course, considered this classic that put a stamp on, on the character of Batman, which is an important thing in some circles that really has never i mean it's still pretty strongly influenced right like it's a pretty much set the tone in it that and maybe like two other things probably set the tone for like a lot of subsequent storytelling and there was a time when frank miller was like the king of like these like superhero comics like he had a moment where he was like the guy right um and then yeah like as you mentioned this is a sequel that came out much much later and the tone of it is extremely different. I mean, it's it's different in almost all of this is like extremely different. Like he, he consciously sat down and decided to make something that's extremely different from the predecessor. And, you know, it's an interesting decision, right? Because how do you make a sequel to something that everybody loved? Do you just give more of the same thing? That would be like the safe choice. That's really not what he did. He made a very conscious decision here to not give everybody more of the same, which if they had, he, you know, they would have lapped it up. Right. Like people were, I think were ready for more of the same. Um, And this is different in a lot of ways. Like you could even talk of just like the art style is a lot different, even though ostensibly they're both, you know, drawn by Frank Miller. Um, Dark Knight Returns is very much this pseudo realistic, you know, dirty urban setting. And then Dark Knight Strikes Again, I mean, we could talk more about the the, kind of the visual style of it, but it's not that at all. And when I first read Dark Knight Strikes Again a long time ago, uh, I remember being probably like a lot of people, extremely confused and disappointed and just sort of like alarmed. Like, like, what is this thing in front of me? How does this? I don't understand. Right. Like you have the thing one and then thing two. And how, how do they even connect? Because they're so different. And then, yeah, many years later, going back and reading it again, my opinion of it has sh- 
upshifted considerably. So I do think I did like it. I read it again. I thought it was good. I did like a lot about it. Uh, there are still some things that I would probably criticize it for, but but I think it is I think it is a good standalone thing. And really, you should view it, even though it is a sequel, as a standalone thing because just the style of it is so different. Well, people love to get up in arms when sequels don't give them what they want uh, from the original in comic books or movies or novels or what have you. So, right. so of course, this was going to be controversial from the get-go just because he set out to do something very different. And you mentioned um, the visuals, but it's, uh, I think, interesting to know you're both Dark Knight Strikes Again and the original Dark Knight Returns are both drawn by Frank Miller and colored by Lynn Varley. Uh, but the biggest difference in the art is the coloring and Dark Knight Strikes Again is completely different. It's just like radical neon digital coloring that looks absolutely nothing like, even though it's still Lynn Varley doing the colors, but um, she makes Dark Knight Strikes Again look absolutely nothing like, or Dark Knight Strike, yeah, Dark Knight Strikes Again look almost nothing like uh, Dark Knight Returns. And basically almost nothing like, uh, I mean, it's hard to think of any other superhero comic books that you would even compare this to in terms of the coloring because it's so like garish and almost experimental. And so like blatantly digital, I mean, Digital coloring has become a standard look for superhero comic books, but you know the digital style of coloring that you find in most modern superhero books is sort of aimed at at kind of like realism, whereas this is definitely aimed at a sort of abstraction. Like there are, you know, splash pages in here where you'll have like like Batman against like there's a great one towards the end where Batman is in the foreground as a silhouette and the background is just like all of these like neon lights glowing that looks, you know, it's not meant to replicate any kind of specific, you know, realist style look. It's just like evocative and strange and a striking image all on its own. And the fact that it's supposed to take place, yeah, no, this is, uh, I don't know if you remember the, it, it's like there's all these like spotlights where Batman interrupts like a rock concert and then there's like the bat symbol from like the. Yeah, the, I do remember this. And the background is like some kind of LSD thing going on. And it's not clear what like actually is making all of the lights. It's It's just purely impressionistic. Yeah, it's a pure like digital abstraction. And there's a, a quite a few images like that where they'll even use like not even have like your standard pencil work you'll see like some of the buildings will be these like 3d digital objects that look very you know made up of like one polygon and then there'll be like these abstractions of like digital color like washed over it it's like i said it's a really striking and i would actually say pretty wonderful looking superhero comic book that almost looks like nothing else before or since like yeah and you mentioned that when dark knight returns came out you know it, it kind of blew everyone's minds and it was very widely acclaimed but it looked like a thing that came out at the time that it came out right whereas this is like singular you know like it's not like every comic nowadays 
looks like Dark Knight Strikes again, right? It's not doing a thing. It's not like of a piece with other things being made. He he is really experimenting. Not that there's not other pe- people experimenting with digital color, but compared to like other Batman comics coming out at the time, you know, he's just like completely doing his own thing. You know, it's interesting in the, uh, there's a special thanks. He thanks, among other people, it says special thanks, Kyle Baker, Paul Pope, Bill Sinkovich, and some other people. And I don't know if those people were just like maybe his ins- uh, the inspirations for making like a superhero comic book that's not hewed to any kind of like realism. And maybe there are places where that is like a little tiresome in here. Yeah. Like where there's like three or four splash pages of Wonder Woman and Superman screwing. Yeah, that's probably a little self-indulgent. Yeah. So there's there, stuff there definitely... are probably a little a little there are probably some spots where he could have uh, reeled it in just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like swinging for the fences here, like nothing held back. And and really doing something that, um, you know, like I think Dark Knight Returns is like I was kind of saying, connected to other Batman comics that already exist, right? Whereas this, he's just kind of like inventing a lot of this out of whole cloth. Like there's no attempt to be like, oh, this is like Batman pushed out a little bit into the future. This is just like a, a whole new thing. you know. And I was reading it and it's, it is interesting to me because I feel like it's actually aged well uh, in, in some ways because it kind of makes, it, it really creates this like Batman in some kind of cyberpunk dystopia where he's attempting to overthrow George Bush. He's attempting to overthrow the their president and the president in the story is like computer generated is like a computer generated image. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very I think like the neon colors kind of help give it that like a little bit of a cyberpunk feel. It's really like a cyberpunk dystopia because it's about uh the su- secret evil people that run the world. The president is a computer generated image. Uh everything is being spied on and there's like these national security agencies um and it's an interest, you know, Frank Miller has a reputation now as being kind of like this right wing guy. I mean, his reputation nowadays is, is pretty all over the place. Like there are people who I think uh, are just kind of done with Frank Miller and, you know, he did, we don't have to go into all of it, but he did like Holy Terror, for example, which uh, left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. Um, it, it is technically well-made, but he intentionally does like this agent provocateur thing of, uh, using Islamophobic tropes, I think. Um, and here he's, it's interesting because Frank Miller kind of embodies different philosophies in different things. It's not abundantly clear what his actual political views are. Um, Cause in this, it's almost like this like left wing uprising. Cause it's like a rock concert that's fighting against the police. And he attacks like the national security director and like the national security guys. And they have names like buzz, like Exxon and like general Starbuck and stuff like general well, I Starbucks. Mentioned- I mentioned George Bush, and of course, the president in this is not named George Bush, but this yeah. was but he created the, during the um, Bush administration. But he clearly draws the government officials to look like Donald Rumsfeld and yeah. John Ashcroft and Ari Fleischer. Like, there's a lot of real people that are drawn in here. Like, um, there's like shots of so sometimes you'll have like Chris Matthews like screaming for everyone to shut up which uh, got kind of a chuckle out of me. So it's clearly like he's, um, you know, it's interesting because he seems to be directly repudiating many of the things from Dark Knight Returns, where it, the 
the idea being that the, the superhero character of Batman is like sort of like just a fallible human and there's these like wider societal problems that you can't solve by like punching them out. Whereas in this, he flips a script and the superheroes are all like gods that we should look up to and worship. And in fact, all of your societal problems can be traced back to uh, just finding the right person to punch in the face. And in this case, yeah. And then Batman basically ends up leading some kind of like uh, insurrection against you know, the American government. Yeah. And it's very much like Batman. It, the characters are like the, the demigods, like uh, fighting, you know, the, the masters of evil that are controlled the world. It's an overused kind of trope. The idea that superheroes are like a mythology or something. I don't think that's really true, uh, but that's kind of like a thing people say. But in Dark Knight Strikes Again, he kind of does do that a little bit. Right, because like the oh, yeah, like these... he's he's very very clearly attempting to embody that kind of an idea, which again is is directly opposite from what Dark Knight Returns does. Yeah, like literally like a one eighty degree yeah. flip. Um, and what what you mentioned that there's like a lot of real people in it. I feel like that's the, kind of the one thing that has not aged well because obviously a lot of those people aren't um, necessarily relevant anymore. But I I liked all the talking heads and like the weird news announcers. There's like a naked newscaster and then there's like an anime character that does the news or something. And it kind of reminded, I feel like that's the thing that actually feels more contemporary because it makes me think of like watching something through like Twitter streams or something or like the news being given by like Twitch gamers, Twitch streamers or something. Like it actually feels more contemporary minus the like specific historical figures and some of them i think are people that i didn't even recognize uh but like the the running commentary from all like these random people actually feels like something that could come out like an idea that's very relevant now the idea of watching everything through like like twitch streams and youtube videos and like you know the twitter feed and stuff like that yeah like internet weirdos commenting on world events Right. And that's something that feels like even more contemporary, um, because obviously when this came out, that wasn't even really a thing. You know, one thing, too, is that there's this whole subplot involving the super chicks who are like a superhero themed girl group rock band. And I was actually wondering if this was a reference to like the Dixie Chicks controversy during the Bush administration. But this actually came before that. So I guess that's like a coincidence. But I think that does get into, there's sort of a weird, you know, Frank Miller has his own uh, peccadillos, if you will. And he, uh, I don't know, like the treatment of some of the female characters in this is definitely like there are points where, yeah, I don't know, like maybe he should have uh, reined it back in a little bit. And, but I don't know, it's like there's a social commentary aspect of it where it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too, where it's, you know, like having naked newscasters and like commercials, um, you know, with naked women being like, don't let your stocks go flaccid. Like it starts out by having the Dow Jones go over a certain number as like a sign of the world is good. But anyway, I don't know. So, I mean, yeah, that's which is the kind of thing that's just a little bit over satire, I feel like, from how society works now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's almost like not even satirical. Um, like really, the satirical thing would be like to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. So I mean, there's there are a few moments like that where it's like kind of where he like 
hits a wrong note, I think. But in general, really, really, really like this comic book a lot. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot to like about it, as long as you're not going into it like I initially did, and like probably a lot of people did, expect, expecting something like Dark Knight Returns, the next chapter. I mean, it's almost like a standalone thing. Like, in all seriousness, you could probably read it without having read Dark Knight Returns. Because, like, the beginning... Oh, very easily. Yeah, yeah, because the beginning basically sets up, oh, no one's seen Batman in a long time. And it really doesn't, like, reference a lot of, like, specific events from Dark Knight Returns. Well, he gets the gang members into a little Batman army, which is the end of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, that's true. But other than that, yeah, there's not really that much... um... And it's like, you know, Batman and Superman fought in Dark Knight Returns. So here they fight again, but it's all just like giant splash page images of Batman beating the crap out of Superman. Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a cartoon, which is not meant to be a, a slight, I guess, but like it, it's exaggerated, right? Because they fight in Dark Knight Returns, and it's this very meticulous thing. Like Batman has planned out all of these little instances, and it's this you know elaborate setup. And here he's just like. Has these giant like kryptonite boxing gloves? Yeah, it's like sort of it's like sort of ridiculous on purpose. I mean, it's more than sort of ridiculous. It's extremely ridiculous. Yeah, and you know what? What I did like about this too is he gives you these little takes on different sorts of Justice League characters, like the little bit with the atom, um, and it has like the question in it, and these other like little takes on on DC characters, which is again a thing that he intentionally did not do in Dark Knight Returns. But yeah. here we're like, yeah, like, screw it. Let's have Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman uh, and The Flash and The plastic Question Man. and Martian Manhunter shows up. Like, why not? Why not throw everybody in there? I thought his Plastic Man was great, where Plastic Man is being, like, kept in, uh, like, basically just sealed up in, like, a container in Arkham Asylum, and then he frees him. And he uh, makes a comment that Plastic Man could, like, kill them all if he wanted to. Yeah. And he's like fighting. I, you know, as we sit here in the um, dystopian year of 2021, you know, like when there's Plastic Man like fighting the cops by turning himself into, what does he turn himself into? Like a giant can opener or some something like that. It's like, yeah, it's like a pliers. Like a giant wrench or something. Yeah. And he's like fighting the cops as it like spins out of this rock concert. I mean, like that's the kind of parts of it that feel kind of awesome, like when you're reading it. And he's shouting Rodney King. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got that in combined with, um, you know, like the, the five page spreads of, as you mentioned, uh, Superman and Wonder Woman um, getting it on. So it's it's still kind of a mixed bag, but like I think it is overall very good. It's very interesting. I would recommend it to basically anyone that likes superheroes uh, as long as you can separate it in your mind from from Dark Knight Returns. Like, the, the image of the Batmobile, they're, like, attacking this skyscraper, and it, like, bursts in through the window, and he's, like, kicking all the national security guys who all have, like, buzz cuts and, like, these black suits with these little skinny black ties. I mean, that's, like, an awesome sequence. Yeah, so I'm at that part right now. So, yeah, you've got this, like, flying Batmobile, which is, like, a crudely rendered, like, four-polygon digital, like, 3D object. And then in the background, you have what almost looks like a photograph of real clouds. And then in the foreground, you have like a drawing of a a bat soldier flying. And then you turn the page and there's another double splash page. And this time you have 
a basic black silhouette of a skyscraper with this like blue and pink neon colored sky behind it. And then you turn the page and there's another double splash page of the Batmobile crashing through a window and like plowing into like a dozen bad guys at once. Who all look like Secret Service agents or something. Yeah, yeah. And then Batman and Catgirl, who Carrie Kelly was Robin, is now Catgirl, which is, you know, you could talk about Batman having a 16-year-old female uh, sidekick dress up like his ex-girlfriend. It's a little weird. But, you know, Batman, he's a weird guy. Yeah. And yeah. she, like, has this light launcher that throws, like, a zillion batterings out at once. That is, like, this really cool... Um, looking image yeah yeah just like flipping through this comic book it's so it's just so beautiful to look at and it's you know garish digital bizarre you know strangeness it's it's you know you can see what word for it would be it's very idiosyncratic yeah Because, of course, now they don't, I mean, Frank Miller doesn't really draw anymore. So he writes these scripts for someone like Andy Kubert. I think that's who drew what was the sequel to this then. And not that Andy Kubert is bad, but, like, it just looks like standard superhero art. Whereas this looks, you know, just of its own, its own thing. Yeah, and it's interesting that he would then make the sequels as as much as this doesn't fit with dark knight returns intentionally the sequels actually there there are like two short sequels to this uh that actually fit probably better with dark knight returns in many ways yeah it definitely seems like at least uh like as a visual style yeah what do you think about i guess this is a spoiler for a 20 year old comic book but what do you think about him making uh dick grayson the bad guy you know, to be honest, I'm a little confused by that. I'm not. I'm not sure why he makes is, that choice. Do you think? It, yeah, as I was reading it, I was trying to like puzzle out if he is like trying to say something there, or if that was just like, I don't know. Maybe he just thinks Robin is stupid. So, but then yeah. he gives Batman a new. It's not like it's a commentary against the stupid stupidity of kid sidekicks because he just gives Batman a new kid sidekick. Yeah. It's it's not yeah it's not abundantly clear why he makes that choice. I mean I guess I have no problem with it. It's it's I'm not really yeah I'm not really sure what angle he's trying to go there. If you're talking about like the story, it's interesting because that's like one of the villains. There's actually a lot of villains, um, and the story has like these layers, and it, it's actually does something that I always find kind of cool, um, is where you have like the the cosmic story or like the big picture story with like the street level story happening at the same time, and. He does an interesting thing because it's it's very fast paced once it gets started and the narrative often like folds back on itself because there'll be parts where they'll be like, oh, yeah, this thing happened like two weeks ago or something. And and then he'll also like skip over parts that you would expect to actually see. Right. So the so the climax of the story is him fighting this new Joker who's like this genetically engineered person, whereas the story up to that point involves like Lex Luthor and Brainiac. And it's yeah. it's not and it's not that that those storylines were all started at the beginning and all play out together. It's like this very strange. Like if you were to diagram the plot structure of this, it would be very strange, because this character that you're talking about ends up being like the villain at the end, 
but I don't think they're even introduced to like halfway through it. Whereas like Lex Luthor is like probably the villain that's introduced first, but he's not even, you know, by the end he's already been taken care of. And then Brainiac is in it somewhat in like the middle ish. It's a very strange, it's a very strange plot structure, but I feel like it works because it just kind of barrels forward. It's very fast paced and it kind of fits, I think, like I mentioned earlier, with like that mythology thing where we're just like breaking the world as we're saving it. And for some reason, he draws Lex Luthor as he's like an old fat guy who's dressed like a boxer for some reason. Who's wearing like gym shorts or something yeah, all the yeah, time. It, it almost with looks no like no shirt on. Yeah, he's wearing. Yeah, he has no shirt on and he's wearing like gym shorts and green uh, Chuck Taylor shoes. Yeah, because there's a part where they're like, oh, Batman got captured. And you skip over everything leading up to that. And just like you just turn the page. Oh, Batman's been captured. Now he's being captured and he's interrogated. And you like skip over how how did that happen? Uh, why? What's you know what I mean? Like he just like jumps almost like jumps around. Did you like the part where they blowed up Captain Marbles? I did like the his use of Captain Marvel. Um, I liked you know, I liked what he did, what he did with a lot of the characters, even in like their little bits. Um, it kind of makes me laugh because he has the question, say something like, I'm no um, Ian Rander. I, she doesn't go nearly far enough, and I'm not even sure what I could possibly mean by that. Um, I like yeah, He definitely bits. seems to be, like some of these uh, characters uh, definitely come in for like better treatment than others. Like for some reason, Martian Manhunter is like a washed up drunk. Yeah. And the, the, the question, you know, the question obviously was not originally... You know, well, I guess he was originally an objectivist, but then right. norm normally in the DC universe, he's not really portrayed that way. But I guess Frank Miller decided to like take the piss out of him by making him, him be back. like a, an ultra, you know, objectivist kind of like dickwad. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, um, and like um, Hal Jordan is in it, and he's like omnipotent, I guess. Because yeah, sure, why not? He's like living on an alien planet as like a green alien. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah. And uh, the elongated man is like showing soft drinks. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the elongated man originally got his powers from drinking a soda? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he has like pages of green arrow and the question arguing as like point counterpoint on like a talk show. Yeah. And again, that's probably kind of indulgent, uh, but it, it it just kind of makes it, I don't know, it feels fun. I don't know. It, it goes with the, the weirdness of it because it's like as the story is happening, you have like the running commentary from all various people, some of whom are like real people that he's doing like, um, you know, send ups of and then just random people like commenting on it. Which is a thing that he carries over from Dark Knight Returns. That, yeah, that's actually probably the strongest continuity between the two is his continued use of that as like a mechanic. He also makes fun of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, I did, I love the uh, panel of, where at the bottom of the page, there's a little picture of Chris Matthews telling everyone to shut up. Like the way it's drawn as like this little corner of the page. He's just like this impotent toddler, like screaming for everyone to shut up. Which, you know, go ahead and give it to uh, yeah. Chris Matthews. I got no problem with that. Yeah. The sequence, I love, too, like, these 
images of like the atom like riding these electrons where it, it looks like an analog like hand-drawn figure as like shrunk down into a digital world and then like when they free barry allen there's this like splash page of like an explosion that's just like a loop of blue against like this yellow background that's really striking yeah and it's it's interesting because he also um you're like and this is a thing obviously that superhero comics do naturally or like justice league stories but you just, there's definitely like a genre kind of like hopping between genres because whereas most batman stories intentionally avoid having like this big picture cosmic stuff you've got superman fighting somebody in metropolis while batman is like doing Batman things. And then you've got like the Adam, the little sequence with the Adam where it's almost like he's in like some sort of caveman story. And then yeah. they go into like Arkham Asylum and he intentionally sidelines a lot of characters like Jimmy Olsen, um, Jim Gordon, uh, Commissioner Yindel, who I believe becomes the commissioner of police in Dark Knight Returns is mentioned by name like once and, and it doesn't actually show up. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, he chooses to focus on just the uh, superhero characters. Yeah. And, but I mean, Batman does do cosmic stuff all the time, really. Like, that's true. Upon which Batman comics you want to read. That's true. That's true. It's just, a, it's, it's, it's a, it's another kind of like stark contrast from Dark Knight Returns, though. Yeah. Because Dark Knight Returns, he's very much intentionally being like, okay, in this world, there are no superheroes except for Batman, who's retired. And Superman, who's like a stooge, and everyone else is gone. And here he's Which like, just bring, also, bring everyone back. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's also where this comic book starts, basically. But almost immediately, he just brings everybody back. Yeah. But, you know, comparing it to Dark Knight Returns, I feel like at the end of the day, it's just like a really enjoyable, really wonderful little weirdo superhero comic book that people should read i like it a lot actually i think it's i think it's pretty great and i yeah it still kind of leaves me a little flabbergasted that it has such a, a negative reputation and i think it is just because well i think it's because the people don't like the digital coloring which i can understand because it's a very bold choice but i think if you set aside the fact that it looks you know, quote unquote, ugly in comparison to what people are used to in superhero art. Um, it's actually really kind of wonderful as it its own thing. And of course, people have all sorts of feelings on Frank Miller now, but for all kinds of various reasons, because he sort of became like a right wing crank for a while. Yeah. And like I mentioned before, it's not abundantly clear. I, I, have, I have a hard time. It's, it's hard to parse out what he actually thinks about a lot of these like specific issues because he, he seemingly adopts like an outlook relevant to a story. Because if you look at something like, because he also wrote um, like the Martha Washington stories, which are like very clearly like a left wing kind of story. Um, and then this, I feel like does have some kind of like, like you mentioned, like uh, leading an uprising against like the Bush administration or something. Um, and then you have Holy Terror, which is like this very Islamophobic, uses a lot of these Islamophobic conventions very like openly. And then like Sin City is, has like the gender conventions of, I mean, like 
more re- reactionary gender conventions than like 1950s noir that it's even looking at in some ways. It, he's just kind of all over the place. And, you know, that's that's kind of a hard, I don't know, it's hard to square that sometimes with, with the um, the things that he has made that seem very like intelligent and very like human, which probably doesn't, isn't always uh, in Dark Knight Strikes, um, Dark Knight Strikes again, but yeah, Frank Miller's kind of a tough guy to like give a one sentence explainer on when it comes to like his outlook or like his philosophy and stuff. It, it's kind of hard to wrap up. Uh, and I think that kind of gives him a bad reputation nowadays as like the like racist uncle or something. Well, he kind of seems like to me one of those people where like 9-11 like broke his brain. And that's where he became super into like anti-Islam. And then also he had this whole screed about like Occupy Wall Street, which is ironic because in this comic, you definitely get like an Occupy Wall Street vibe where they're like leading a populist uprising against the corporate fat cats who run the world. Right, which is why I say it's kind of hard to square him down because I feel like he also has some kind of thing where he just wants to be like a contrarian. Like he likes just like poking people. And you could say that just means that he's like a jerk, which, you know, maybe that's true. But I, I feel like a lot of his his thing is just kind of contrarian, right? Like he's writing a comic during the Bush administration, so it's about Batman leading a revolt against against George Bush's, you know, against the Bush administration. Uh, and then he wrote something, you know, after nine eleven. So now it's about um, fighting Islamic terrorists or or what have you. And well, I think in Dark Knight Four, doesn't have Donald Trump in it. Yeah, I feel like Dark Knight 4, The Golden Child, has a very strong anti-Donald Trump message. Yeah. Yeah, I think the final note could be, I think Dark Knight Strikes Again (laughs) is perhaps at him cresting before he fully kind of crossed over into being like an eccentric, like weirdo. So yeah, I think think Dark Knight Strikes Again is, is, it should go up there with, with, in, in the greatest of lists. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Army of Crime and or at Dustin44444. Our uh, website is armyofcrime.com. Uh, why don't you toss, you know, s- smash that subscribe button? Smash the, is that a thing people say still? Smash the subscribe button? Smash the uh, subscribe button with all your worth. Yeah. Uh, like and subscribe, the stars and reviews, all that stuff. Um, anything you want to add on that? Stay alive out there. Can you hear that clanking sound? Yeah. What is that? It's my radiator.